Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters. One of the great things about recording the podcast here at the Etch Conference is we have some friends who come in from all over the country to be here to lead breakout sessions and interact with our attendees, and one and we get the opportunity to sit down and have conversations together. And so one of those dear friends of Life with Kids is John Murchison. John, we're so glad to have you here. Hey, Chuck. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for coming back, not only to Etch, but to the podcast, because we know this can be really stressful. It can be, we but ask, you make it easy, Chuck. We ask you hard-hitting really questions that <laughs> cut to the core of kids' ministry. No. Uh, for those of you who don't know John yet, uh, for more than a decade, John has been in children's ministry at the Austin Stone. It's, I know it's the Austin Stone. That's correct. Our, our communications department is very clear about that. It's, the Austin Stone. It's kind of like the Ohio Although State University. Stone.org, so, you know, it gets confusing that way. Not the Austin.org. So but at the Austin Stone, up. and that's a multi-site missional church in Austin, Texas. Uh, he has recently changed roles a few that's months correct. ago uh, into uh, resources in the resources in the... <laughs> Resources in Spiritual Development or Formation Department. I just botched that. That's However, all right. you're working in Resources in Spiritual Development. That's correct. And For that's kids, your new adults, role. and students. That's my new role. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And you're also a contributor to the Gospel Project. Uh, and, and we so appreciate that. I about am, and you. kids ministry is still near and dear to my heart. I still write for Gospel Project. I still teach in large group uh, and volunteer my kids ministry. Even if I'm not, it's not my main employment role anymore, I'm still called there and still love it very, very much. Yes. Yeah, so great, great experience in ministry. Heart for the gospel and for kids, and uh, and uh, a heart to pour into other kids ministers to help cultivate and develop them. So we just so appreciate so much about you. Uh, we're going to be talking today about how to teach so that kids will listen. That's right. I mean, we can all teach, well, but not we can necessarily all try. in a way that kids will <laughs> listen. And the listening is a really kind of important part of the teaching. Well, it's of like course, we can all be the quarterback and throw the ball. But we but need to throw the ball in a way that the receiver can catch it. That's right. Or we could teach you an empty room where no one's listening, but that would that but is that really teaching? Soul, but is that really That's teaching That's like at if all? a tree falls in the woods, right? It's one of those things. Now we're getting really deep. Right? We are. Yeah. And we'll come back to that. Okay. But first, we want to get to know a little bit, the thing we've started to do here on the podcast, get to know a little bit about you when you were just little. Is, are these the hard-hitting questions These are the about? hard-hitting okay. questions. I'm ready. We're hoping to get a, an Emmy for our hard-hitting <laughs> news that we... Uh, so, hard-hitting question. So, John, when you were little, did you have, what were you into? Did you have a special toy or something that you liked to play with that was your go-to thing that you were all about? Does anyone ever say no to this question? No, uh, no, no toys. I um, mean, I was that kid who, who any hour or moment my family would give me on the video game system, I would take it. Oh, so my dad okay. brought home an Nint- 8-bit Nintendo. Ooh, all right. I was going to say, that what was, was like, your game system of choice? That was the first one, and been Nintendo since then. Been a N- Nintendo purist. Nintendo from the beginning. And so what was your game? Ooh, I loved Wizards and Warriors, which is an obscure one. And then, of course, Mario Brothers. Of course. Hunt, the classics. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking when I was, you know, early, early days. As I grew, what else did I like? Uh, Star Fox, Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World. I'm kind of a Mario guy, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. So do you still have a system? I don't. I do. I don't play it much. I have a little, ironically enough, a PlayStation 4. So do we have to get sponsorships for all these things? So I, I'm saying I that? Know. I don't know how you that know, works out. We're dropping out. all these brands. So we're, <laughs> you know, because... Because the Kids Ministry 101 podcast has a huge audience. That's right. It's worth right. millions of dollars to advertisers. Now we, uh, so uh, do you challenge your kids? My, kid, my oldest is six, so I'm actually kind of anticipating eagerly the day when we'll be able to really we've we've tried, play Mario together. We tried Mario Kart. 
on on an old Wii system that we have, and she likes it, but she can't really do it yet. So I'm I'm waiting for the day we can we can really game. There will be fun. a day. I know. I'm I'll excited. warn you. Because you, you know, warn me, because then you have I've, to be the one to limit it. Be I, like, okay, I only an hour. I played my share of games, uh-huh. you know, as a kid, and my boys now are nine and twelve, nine and eleven, almost. 12. I can't keep up with them. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the game. They're schooling you. Their fingers are faster. Their reflexes are sharper. I just There's something I can't about do that. It. Maybe it's the you so, know, youth is wasted on the young after all. But what I love is going back to the old. You know, you get the joystick uh-huh. that has like eight. All the Atari games and stuff like Pac- the, the one Pac-Man the joystick, and stuff, and you're schooling that I on can that. Take them at those. There you go. That, there you that's go. In my thing. The if little it's victory Gal- Galaga or Galaxians or one of those things, I can do that. Yeah. So, man, yeah, I'd be a little scared of playing Mario with you. I think you might take me. We'll see. We'll have to challenge each other. So soon. now, okay. So let's go to your lunch. As a kid, your your did you pack a lunch to take to school or did you get the hot lunch? Well, I would always check the. You have to check the cafeteria menu and decide from there. Yeah, okay. Chuck. You can't go with, if there was a roll, a yeast roll on the menu. The roll was, was a. Buying the, that was like, a pivoting, that pivotal one, those uh, decision. Were so good though. They, they still make them almost the same way. I still smell them. I feel like That's when I walk hysterical. in my kids' hall, and I'm like, I want to, I want to roll from there. So then I packed my lunch. My mom okay. packed my lunch. I and when pack you packed your lunch, lunch, what was usually in the bag? Lunchables. Old school Lunchables. You remember those? I guess like they still the, have them. Like so the bologna, little circles, and the, the, the things of cheese the and crackers. meat that was slimy and stuck together. Yes. You had the one block of cheese that was supposed to be cut but wasn't. And then you had the crackers. And for some reason, those not exciting elements inside this yellow package it made Lunchables. It super I was irresistible. so into it, yes. You just jazzed. Yeah. How fun. The Lunchables. Good one. Great story. All right, so. Having said that, let's get down to business. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about how, how do we teach the kids to listen. So we know teaching a room full of elementary kids can be really intimidating, uh, right. sometimes more so than teaching adults, because uh, adults kind of have empathy and kids really don't. For you as the teacher, right? That's but it doesn't true. have or at to least be they have a, a standard. They have like a. Um you know, some decency. They're not going to boo you off stage. Sure, Generally sure. speaking, they're not going to be like boring or start to, uh, and kids, to make animal noises. Kids, kids just might be honest. It's good. Well, they were to me. So uh. here's the reason I was wanting to, to talk on this in this podcast, to lead it at a breakout at Etch, was that I was not the person who was born natural at teaching kids. Um, some people this, just have that. They do. Right. There's some that have the it factor. I believe there's a spiritual gift there that God just gives some people. To I, connect with kids. I have a feeling you might have been one of those people. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but for others of us, it's a little harder. Correct. I was in, My training before coming into ministry was as an engineer. I was a mechanical engineer and worked there for a couple of years. And then I saw in the bulletin there was a need for somebody to teach a kids large group. I raised my hand, assuming there would be some sort of training involved. Uh, at that point, there was not. We Someone handed you a book. Yes. And like, you're Here's on. the curriculum. Go do it. And I um, I did not succeed at first. And so just like I think the best math teachers are not the ones that just got it immediately, but the ones who had to struggle through and learn how to do it, I'm hoping that through me struggling over, you know, years of, of learning how to teach so that kids uh, don't tune out so that they are actually engaged, uh, that I was able to share. I can share a few tips, very simple things that don't take rocket science. They don't take a natural gift. They don't take a lot of... Um, supplies, resources. You can do this on any budget and in any church. Um, that if I could share that wisdom, that would be a win. So wow, and that's I want to know what those things are. Well, and listeners, we'll tell you in next week's episode. No, we wouldn't do that. To <laughs> let's you. tell you. We can't do that. Now let's hear that. That's I'm yeah. I'm excited now. You, so these are things that anyone can do. Correct. Correct. So okay. th- th- let's think through three major categories. There's 
using your voice, there's using the space in the room, mm. uh, or using props. So in using your voice, one of the key things I learned quickly is that you don't want to get in a, a volume war with the kids. So you're teaching, you're reading the script, you're doing your, your thing, you start to notice the kids start to talk in the background. So the And your natural, tendency is you talk louder. The, the natural inclination is, well, let me talk a little louder so they know I'm up here as if they didn't know I was up here talking and they would get quieter. They don't get quieter. They get louder. <laughs> and then you continue to have a volume escalation war until you're shouting and no one's listening to you. Um, instead, I've learned through observing, observing other teachers, the trick is to get softer. Mm. That if you can lead them to a point by getting softer, that they think you're, you're sharing some sort of secret or they're wondering what's going on. And if you have an amplification system, you can even whisper it. And they're like tuned in like, wait. It's supposed to be really important. And then the hope is that they would lean in. They would lean in and wait, what's what's he going to say next? So uh, that was was key for me to learn that I can control the volume of the room not by getting louder, but by getting softer. Mm. So that was, that's, that's maybe the main thing I learned about my voice. That Mm. said, it doesn't mean you never get louder. I think there are certain stories and certain um, moments of scripture that lend it to getting louder. Uh, Think of- For emphasis. For emphasis or just to, to- own the character. Think of the mm. the the blind beggar who is crying out, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me!" Yes. Man, if you can shout that, that'll grab the kids' kids' attention. Yeah. If you feel confident enough to do it, or to get the kids to shout it along with you, there are times to get loud. It's just there's more times to get soft, especially yes. if you want to really control the dynamics of the room. Good. And then what about inflection? It kind of helps to have a little bit of definitely not to, just to be flat. Don't right? be monotone. I I encourage uh, if you want to bring out when you prepare because you should. Read before, ideally. Wise. Um, Another good tip. Correct. Uh, take a pen. Take a note. What are the words that you want to stand out? Where do, huh. where you want to raise your voice? Draw a line up. Where do you want to lower it? Get softer. Draw a line down. Mm. Uh, or make your own system. Maybe you're mm. circling the words you want to emphasize so that you don't end up with a monotone thing. You, you can have these visual cues of where you want to use inflection in order to get their kids' attention. Great. So. Okay, so use your voice. Yep. You then said use your space. Use your space. Uh, so many people get stuck in the, I'm on the stage, the kids are in rows facing me, and I'm just going to stick that way. Man, with some masking tape and a little creativity, you can change the space and really engage the kids. Imagine walking into a classroom, and instead of having rows, the, the seats are around the circle. Or there's a circle drawn on the ground and tape, and you tell the kids to sit inside of it. And instead of talking at them from a stage, you're walking around them while you tell the story of Jericho. Or you're standing that in the middle a of cool a circle. Idea. I love that. Yeah? If they walk around the city, around the wall. Correct. And that you walk around and they're, the, what they're, a great way to like, visualize that. You know, a, a, at one moment, they're in front and they're looking right at you. And then about five minutes later, you're on the other side and they're on their knees trying to see over the other kids. The very physical movement of yeah. moving around gets their minds thinking differently. They're not bored. They're like, why is he doing that? What is, what's going on? How yes. can I see? Um, I also like aisles a lot. Teaching party in the Red mm. Sea, nothing better than a than an aisle down the middle that you can park and yeah. walk in between them. So use the space. Use your voice. Use the space. And then props. Yeah, use props. There, most curricula um, use object lessons from time to time where you hold up an object and use that as your talking mm. point. I recommend taking it a step further and having a mystery box. It's a cardboard box with a question mark on it. That any time you do a lesson that has an object from the beginning of the time. You have that box on stage, and kids are already wondering. What's, oh, what's in the box? What's he going to pull out? What's he going to pull out? You're engaging them already. You've already won before you pulled it out because they want to know. And whether that's one object or a series of objects, that, that can really help engage. Uh, engage do you ever mind. play with them where you go and you reach in the box and you don't pull anything out? 
Uh, I've never done that. that I, a, have, I have pulled a Mary Poppins. Is that a strategy? What's the Mary Poppins? Well, you, you cut a hole in the table. Oh, and then you pull and you like have a, you big, pull out tall, some, like, long rack. thing oh, out of there. Yeah. That's, that's cheap, but fun. The kids but like it. really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Great. Okay, so what else do you have by way well, of other simple strategies? Well, I, I think as your listeners are hearing that I do have more strategies, but it's kind of obvious these aren't rocket science. Yeah. That anybody with five minutes of time and some intentionality can make it. I feel like it. I could do these things. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's why I really say it's not as much a how-to issue of how to get kids to, to listen as much as it is a want-to issue. I think that we all say we want to, but mm. the time we spend preparing and praying, and I'm talking about myself too. I think there, there are many weeks where I could have spent a little less time reading or watching Netflix and a little more time thinking about creative ways to teach kids. Mm. And so what's what's more important than the strategies? Because the ones I named are, are great. Anybody with that's ever asked a girl on a date can think of other ways to be creative. You know, yeah, yeah, you, you've right. done it before. You need to remind yourself, we need to all remind ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing. We have the opportunity to share the truths of Scripture with a group of kids who are coming to us. We don't have to sell our possessions, raise money, move overseas. The kids are coming to us. Many of them don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. And they want to hear what we have to say. Mm. They're eager to hear truths from Scripture. They're eager to hear the gospel. And what God is calling us to is not to just have a goal of getting through 10 minutes without being embarrassed or being interrupted by a kid. Yeah. He's calling us to, to a high calling of sharing the gospel. Mm. So reminding us and reminding our volunteers of that gives us motivation then to, sure, think through using your voice, think through using yeah. props, think through using the space, but just take it and say, God, how can I take this to the next level? Yes. Once you've asked the question and devoted the time and prayer to it, you'll find some way to engage them creatively. I, I, I'm confident in that. Yeah. Um, the, the one other thing I'd say in addition to that is is to make sure it's on your heart first. Deuteronomy 6, right? It's a common, mm-hmm. common family yep. ministry passage uh, where we talk about partnering with the church in the home. The way that whole passage kicks off is to say this word today is to be on your heart. Yes. And I think mm. sometimes we teach and we forget that this is for us too. And our teaching is less passionate and less creative and less engaging because we haven't taken the time to say, what does God want to say to me in this passage first too? So part of teaching so kids will listen is making sure your own spirit is listening first and foremost, and you're receiving truth as well as giving. And when you have that, you just naturally communicate in a way that's so much more personal and passionate. Right, right. Because you feel it. You you feel it. You know why it's important for you. And then you're thinking, oh, now, why is it important for these kids? Yes. Now I have passion. Now I have excitement and drive to communicate these truths. It's not simply because my children's director gave me this lesson and I should get through it. It's, man, this is, this is good stuff. These yes. kids need to hear in order to live well yeah. and to... Um, follow God and to know him and to love him. So it gives you passion. It gives you the motivation to, to maybe use a strategy, maybe not, mm. but to really be passionate and intentional about how you're teaching kids. Great tips. Very practical, very attainable mm-hmm. uh, for all of us. Use your voice, use your space, use props. Don't just be monotone. Don't right. just stand in the same place all the time. Don't just stand there empty handed and make it personal. Make it make, real. Make sure that your heart is where it needs to be before you go up to teach. That's right. That's right. Wonderful advice. Thank you, John. John Murchison, we are so thankful to have you here uh, at the Edge Conference and on the podcast. And, uh, man, we, we are just so blessed by your uh, words of advice and wise counsel to, uh, to us 
uh, and our well, and our listeners. I'm honored so, to man, be here. I hope you. it's helpful, uh, and I hope those of you who may start on your journey like me without much experience or not much natural gifting will see it is achievable, it is practical, it is simple, and with a little drive and creativity, you can get and practice. And God I love, can be faithful and use you as well. I love how you answered a need without any experience for that first time and now look at you more than a decade of experience and you're leading and guiding others in ministry so it's just awesome to see what God does that's right that's right thank you again listeners thank you we appreciate you listening and we hope that you'll share this podcast and other episodes with your team with others in your church who need to hear this so although you're listening we know that you have friends uh, who would benefit from hearing some of these types of advice and so we just ask that you might share that URL kidsministry101.com pass this podcast on our blog onto others. Use them to help train your team. And we hope that the content that we share is a blessing to you as you serve the kids and families in your church. Thank you for listening to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.